Welcome to Destination Leadership, the podcast for people interested in diving into the worlds of inspiring leaders to learn from them. I'm your host, Katrin Grunwald, founder of The Globe Team, organizational development consultant, and coach for first-time leaders. Welcome to episode number eight. Today I'm talking with Lisa Glasner, who's been recommended to me as an inspiring leader by one of her team members. She's someone who doesn't just talk about mindfulness, she really lives it. Both in a way that she finds habits for her own well-being in a busy working life, as well as in the interaction with her team, by giving them the space to go with their own energy flow. In our conversation, we spent many years lasting from Lisa's first leadership experience, which was actually outside of her work environment, where she was leading a Toastmasters club, to her working experience in Sweden, where we talk about how equality of men and women can be seen there in the daily life. And we talk all the way to her current role as regional vice president EMEA for global client collaboration at Steelcase. I find Lisa to be a true inspirational international leader, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Today I am sitting in my new office in Munich. It's a real pleasure to welcome Lisa Glasner to this very first podcast interview in the new office. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, <laughs> nice to be here and also to be welcomed by such a wonderful experience. Oh, thank you. Um, I would like to offer you the chance to present yourself to the listeners. Um, what is it that people out there should know about you? Who are you? So my name is Lisa Glasner. I'm currently in a leadership role, I'm managing people, um, but more importantly, leading them in an inspirational way. That's my um, goal. I'm also a mother of um, three girls as well, I'm happily living in a three-generation household, uh, which I'm enjoying very much. It's not always easy, but uh, very enriching as well as an experience. And I'm having an international career as well, um, traveling around, so lived in um, Sweden and Switzerland and France, a little bit everywhere in Europe, and really enjoying um, an international um, lifestyle I would say yeah we will definitely touch on that international mm -hmm. lifestyle let's move back chronologically so um, more than 20 years ago I assume mm -hmm. <laughs> and let's talk about um, your very first team that you were leading tell us a bit more about that so it's not I would like to touch upon an experience that was very important for me as um, maybe a little bit before leading um, formally a team Exactly, leading be, can be right, any kind of... can be yep. anything. And what really shaped me and the way I'm thinking about leadership is that, you know, anyone, anytime can take a role of leadership. And I experienced that when I was living in Paris. Um, I had my first um, real job experience um, in a large corporation and obviously not uh, being able to um, have a leadership role there. 
but was able to do that, um, you know, beside um, that experience. I joined several um, Toastmasters clubs, so they're communication and speaking clubs, and they're very interesting in Paris because you have a lot of foreigners um, coming to Paris, not speaking the language, and they want to join an international community. And within um, the Toastmaster club, I was able to uh, take some responsibilities for the club organization, but also every evening there's um, an opportunity to lead a session, um, a certain part. And it really gives you someone the opportunity and gave me the opportunity to experience um, in a very safe environment uh, leadership. What were things from this, let's say, rather informal leadership experience that you took on then later on when you had the formal or the hierarchical leadership for a team? I think the part of being present uh, came uh, very important to me that, um, you know, because you're also displaying leadership through communication, that's what Toastmasters really teaches you. Is that something that I took away um, as, as a way of um, showing leadership in any situation where I felt that this can help myself and others to move forward. It's what I like about that example is that out from the listeners out there, I know there's lots of people who are in, let's say, not so formal leadership positions, for example, as project managers or through um, being a, in a sports team, or I think your husband was a referee. Mm -hmm. um, so these kind of leadership positions, I think, are a great opportunity for people also to practice and to see is this actually something I enjoy? Do I enjoy the interaction with the people and everything that comes along? And what does it take that people will listen and mm -hmm. follow? Yeah. Right? So it's not the title necessarily that will give you that opportunity, but really um, the way you're able to communicate mm -hmm. and to present yourself. So this is only a part of it, but in a, a very important one. And I think that in some cultures, it's a bit um, undervalued um, the fact that we, um, you know, I think in Germany we are not really teaching our children um, to be really good communicators. There's not such an emphasis, and that what helped me as well in saying like, hey, you know, already the fact that I can communicate things very well will help me in any position to have a, you know, either a formal or an informal leadership uh, presence. Let's move then from mm -hmm. the time in Paris to another country. Mm -hmm. And I know there's quite a few years in between probably, mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'd like to move us geographically toward to Sweden. Yes. I know you've lived in the Nordics and since me being from Germany, I have lots of stereotypes, I must admit, very positive stereotypes about working in Sweden. Tell us a bit more about how was the working situation there for you? So more different than I expected, because I think the first impression when um, I traveled or I started to live in Sweden was that it was really similar as an experience. So there's no such difference in terms of architecture or even how um, superficially people are um, communicating to each other. But uh, when you really um, you know, kind of have four to six weeks experience, like you're not... The honeymoon being, phase right, is over. Right, the honeymoon <laughs> phase is over. You suddenly realize um, how many things are different to um, how 
you know, Germans would interact or even Swiss and French people was, would interact with each other. And what is paramount in, um, I find in, in the Nordics or Swedish, specifically Swedish culture, because there's not nothing the Nordic, like Nordic yeah. culture, so they're very different. But in the Swedish culture, it's really the notion of getting alignment. So there's not no like top-down things happening so much. Um, so a leader always know they have to bring um, people on board and they want to be on board. They want to be part of the discussion, not necessarily of the responsibility um, of a decision, but really being part of discussing something. So you might have heard of um, um, very uh, good tradition, I think, which is called fika. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's having the, a coffee. The, and that's our, uh, normally the afternoon mm -hmm. coffee. And that's a moment where you really discuss also job topics. And it's very important because that's where, um, you know, there's a relaxed atmosphere. So everyone leverages um, a fact that you are less in a formal, but more in an informal um, situation. And that's what I really enjoyed. There's another part um, also very important is that this part of equality, where you would say, okay, how, how do you feel that? What, is, what are things that are happening? And it's actually more with men than with women that you can recognize. So men that are overworking, it's not happening, right? So it's not a good sign if a man is staying longer in the office. Um, in the contrary, they would openly communicate to say, I have to leave at um, 4.30 because I'm gonna get, get the kids. Or you even getting your kids um, at kindergarten or school and you would have equally men and women um, getting their children. Yeah. And that's what really marked me in, in a way of saying, okay, that's what equality is like. It's not seeing women in leadership roles. Obviously, you have that um, as well, a lot more than in other European countries. But it's really how do you see men interacting and taking part of children's lives. Yeah, care work as Care well. work, um, but also, you know, like shopping and, and things like that, right? So it's, it seems to be very, and it is really a shared responsibility and task. Yeah. yeah, interesting to get your first-hand feedback as someone who has lived there. Um, with regards to the team you were leading, mm -hmm. if I understand correctly, you had your team spread around Europe or mainly like the Germany-France-ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and there was also a local team there. Tell us more about your leadership situation and maybe also what were lessons learned for you in that time in Sweden. So I think especially for the team that was located um, in Sweden, it was kind of a, a more special, special situation because they had a leader um, based there, but they were not formally reporting uh, uh, to myself, right? So a person that has a more seniority, more experience, but that was who was totally new to the market as well. Um, I think that was more... A, a special situation but it also led to great exchanges and um, collaboration because again what was necessary to do is what that they would see value in exchanging with myself and sharing information and sharing maybe things that they're struggling with and they want to solve that I could also um, with my experience help them to grow and to solve problems. When talking about your experience of course on one hand it's your actual like the business experience 
and it's also your personal experience and your personal development. And I know a lot has been happening in those years where you started to reflect on yourself. How would you describe this process of looking towards mindfulness or well-being? What were things that triggered it and how did you, which steps did you take? So a lot of parts of my responsibility included traveling. And if you have a mix of um, traveling a lot, being in different places, sometimes three different places in a week, but being someone that is, you know, really longing to reflection and to time, um, you know, to, to do things like reading a book or um, thinking more deeply about things, that's becoming uh, a burden. So I, I realized that my mind was always longing for um, these things, like they're, they're go going more deeper, but traveling would make it very difficult to actually combine that. And that's where um, one part that I felt, okay, looking at myself and how serene and um, passionate I was able to be, it was not that person anymore that, you know, I would like to show to my team or to my family, right? So I really struggled there. And then also looking at um, how this affected um, those people around me. So looking at me stressed and maybe not as relaxed that they know myself also had an impact on them. And when I'm thinking of my team, they were traveling or they are traveling a lot as well. So similar, um, they, you know, also looking for um, more relaxed uh, times or they were not really able to perform in the way they, they wanted to. And I think that made me think to say, okay, I can't only tell others who seem to be stressed by my behavior um, the, how they should look at me or change their perspective, but I need to change myself in order to change their perspective. Yeah. It's such an important first step to start with yourself. It's a tough one, right? Because yeah. it's easier to see things with others yeah. than with yourself. And, and that was a big um, journey I took last year, I would say, in really saying, okay, I have to recognize it within myself in order to be able to positively impact um, the people around me. And what did you do concretely? So first of all, I, you know, kind of focused on things that would help me to get more um, relaxed. And I know it's a combination of things that are happening with your body. So mm -hmm. I engage more into um, meditation, but also yoga classes, because it was very um, hard for me to have, you know, my mind rest while my body was still longing for exercises because I think traveling is exhausting for your body, but not in a way that your body is really um, tired, right? So it yeah, kind, of, <laughs> kind of creates that restlessness um, that I really hated yeah. in myself. So I needed a combination of um, meditation, but also of some, you know, more harder um, body work that I was able to kind of influence both body and mind. And then um, I also, you kind of came across a professional uh, consultant um, who's really specializing um, in that work, knowing um, the field of office and management and the struggles um, that we were facing, but also having that 
a positive um, field of yoga meditation combined and we were engaging um, with her in a um, six months pro um, project uh, really working together as a team but also individually because some of us had um, you know various things that we wanted to improve so um, she was able to have an individualized view on us as well and uh, a team perspective And I think that gave me a lot of clarity around um, who I want to be, what's you know important in my life, and how do I want to be as a leader. This recommendation to invite you to mm -hmm. the podcast came from one of your team members. Yes. And um, she mentioned to me when I asked her about an inspiring leader she's worked with, she said Lisa, because Lisa is someone who doesn't just talk about mindfulness, She really does it. And she does it in the interaction with us as a team. She really helps us to go with the flow, to see where's our energy at. And to, she gives us the freedom to then say, okay, if it is, um, we worked very late one night, then we come in later and to really mean it that it's okay. So mm -hmm. um, based on that feedback, it seems like you really created a space for your team um, to really be who they are. and. In order for, for the listeners to see maybe what is it they they can learn what, what do you, did you do let's say on purpose maybe that other people could also implement with their teams so one big part of being able to do that is having a lot of trust to the people that you have in your team and sometimes it can be hard because you know you're not as close as you would like to be uh, to some team members in order to um, showcase trust but i think that's the most important mm -hmm. thing that um, if you want to give people freedom you need to trust them is that something that comes naturally to you or do you have anything that helped you or maybe like a role model you've seen in the past that really was very trustful mm -hmm. in you um, so I was working um, and that's quite a bit uh, a couple of years ago with a woman as a leader who for me is really role modeling um, that trust base. And the way we were working together was also in a remote leadership. So I was you know, traveling around, she was traveling around, we were not seeing each other every day. And nevertheless, we both had to perform. And at the time there, you know, it was not about interconnect connection. So we were a lot on the phone and talking with each other. And I think that really helped me to build trust. And she knew that, right? So the she would always like call in not on you know certain times because she knew okay we are with clients we're not able to respond every time but there were a certain regularity in talking to each other and calling each other um, that it would really help to have that exchange and sometimes it was just half an hour about whatever but not really work specific but it helped to build our relationship And that's what I started as well with my team to really have that regular exchange, even though it's very challenging to always find time with each other. And that's what I would recommend others to say, okay, if you want to uh, showcase trust to your team members, first start to build a relationship with them. And that's through communication, through listening to them and understanding, you know, how How do they function? What's the way of um, thinking? How do they find energy within themselves as well? But, really because that important. can be very different to yeah. yourself and to others. 
I think that's um, something I would uh, definitely recommend to be able to um, then have a trustful relationship and to give the freedom to people. That's something in my work with first-time leaders that I also discuss with them strongly because I personally believe that having um, a trustful personal connection will then help you to get better business results in the end. So when someone starts le leading a team, just straight away jumping into business topics, I always say, stop, stop. It's really time well invested at the beginning to get to know people and just like you said, to see what drives them, where do they get their energy from, to then much easier afterwards be leading the team. So that's cool to hear it from mm -hmm. your side too. <laughs> um, Let's move, Lisa, to, to a larger level, having talked about your first leadership experience, also in a bit of an outside-of-the-box context. Um, then towards the team perspective, let's move to organizational levels, because I know that that's an area also as international speaker um, that you talk a lot about and experience and have seen a lot of cultural change in companies nowadays. Um, I was wondering, what are like essences or lessons learned similarities that you've seen speaking to so many clients, so many leaders in different organizations that you see as trends there? So I see definitely a trend and having a, a focus on retaining and attracting talents. I think that's something that people really want to achieve and that's necessary to get their organization to a certain performance level. Nevertheless, I think that they are struggling to achieve it. And I think there are certain um, old frameworks um, that are st still holding those organizations back from really building um, the performance level for the organization um, to be able to do that. I don't think there is one way of doing it. There are multiple ways and that, um, for me the most important is how authentic Uh, there, there are some things that are promoted, um, so I'm coming out of a business um, obviously that's seeing a lot of changes in the work environment where everyone says, okay, if you want to attract and retain talents, it has to be an open office and it has yeah. to be really cool yeah. that people stylish, want to come yeah. and stylish and hip, which can be a way of solving um, you know, part of the issue of not being attractive for especially younger people but it's a mix right so if you're a more traditional um, firm it might be really awkward if you go into a direction that you know is maybe created by a company that is only five years old and they have a lot of different leaders and stuff so for me the really the golden rule is how authentic does it feel once you are transforming in a certain direction. And I would rather say transform slower but more authentic than fast and not really authentic for the people you want to retain or um, attract. Because I know that you've been working in the area of um, impactful work environments. So when it's something quite concretely I just mm -hmm. thought of. Um, if I'm a first-time leader and I do have the freedom to look with my team about the work environment, what are recommendations or questions that you think first-time leaders should discuss with their teams? So going back to um, the Swedish style of making decisions, I think it's a great moment in to involve your team, um, depending on what are um, they're expecting, 
Uh, maybe also what experience they are bringing. So this was, you know, quite funny for me to see as well. Getting on board a couple of new people in my team, they were sometimes coming from a more traditional work environment, and in the first uh, weeks they were struggling to kind of get along with this more like you know sit wherever you want and go, and you can also spend your day in the work cafe. So I would really say this is a moment to engage and involve um, your team to understand what are their needs, right? what's the level of collaboration they wish to have, what's the level of privacy, because that can be very different. And again, it can be addressed in a way that it works for everyone in the team. So I think that's, um, for me, the best way of deciding for any changes in involving them and making them part. Um, I'm thinking about your um, yeah. small <laughs> office here. So it was not that you would give someone the key and say, make something beautiful, but you were in a co-creation mode. Absolutely. And that's, I think, the, the best um, to do that with the um, environment, to be in, in a co-creation mode. How do you scale that in a larger organization? I think that's another question. But if you are in a small um, team, I think that's something very valuable to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that I'm a firm believer in co-creation because I really do believe that when you put two brains together, just so much more can come out. <laughs> um, what are other things that um, you take away? Because I know with your team, your, your recent team, that you've been also quite co-creating and giving this space. What are like the main key learnings that you take out of this phase of your professional life where as I understood, you've become much more aware of yourself, what's important to you, and have given the space to your team. What's like the main thing you take out of, of this phase for yourself? I think that it's maybe not totally radical on you for me, and um, still very um, valid, is getting feedback and really asking for feedback. I think it's quite difficult um, for leaders to do that and even for team members um, to do that um, without really being asked. And I think that's um, a cultural um, component and a cultural change that anyone can take to really openly ask and prompt for feedback um, about their own perception and how they are perceived by others. Um, I think that's something that I will continue to do um, and I would encourage everyone because that's the most um, imminent learning experience everyone can, can take in growing as a person but also growing as a leader. Then we've already come to our last question mm -hmm. for, um, that I always ask each interviewee, which is a very imaginary one. If you had the magical power for one day um, to make sure that leaders around the world behave in a certain way with their teams, what would you wish for? What kind of behavior? I would wish that every leader one day would say, you know, today I want you to do what you think is best for the company that you're working in to do that for one day and then tell me about what happened during that day. I think that would be really cool to see um, if people would have the freedom yeah. that, and maybe they already have, but if you are asked to really uh, create a day out of your um, own beliefs, what you think is the right thing to do, what, what difference would that make? Thank you so much, Lisa, for 
or great food for thought at the end and throughout the conversation. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. This was Destination Leadership, the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you. Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn, all under my name, Katrin Grunwald. Also, if you have any feedbacks on the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership.